Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll continue our brief series in this important book. And I want to consider this morning the first 10 verses, but we will look uh, for a moment at verse 10, if you will. My New King James Version reads this way. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, the good works God prepared, that we should walk in them. Now, the word that is translated workmanship is the word that is poieo, uh, which is to do, or to make, or to create out of something. A very good translation of that might be, we are his masterpiece. Or I like even better, we are his work of art. Work of art. His poema is the actual word there, and it comes from poieo, to do, or to make, or to create. The word is poema, and uh, you can even listen to the word and imagine what English word comes from that. The word poem comes from that. And a poem is a work of art. A writer conceives an idea in his mind and then sets it down in words. And that poem is a work of art. Ogden Nash, for instance, had some works of art. One of his was to keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup when you're wrong, admit it, and when you're right, shut up. <laughs> now, that's a work of art, isn't it? I mean, that, that's a work of art. That's a poema. That's a poem. But the curious thing is that God says every one of us who are saved are works of art. More than just expression, God has done something to us. We are his workmanship. His workmanship. And we are created in Christ Jesus. Everything good that happens to me happens because of my union with Christ. That's what he's saying. Because I am one with him. Imagine where you would be if you'd married somebody else. Jeannie, imagine where you'd be if you'd never met Doug and married him. What would you be today? Imagine. Just imagine. <laughs> uh, Doug has got some ideas on that himself, haven't you, Doug? We'll keep those to ourselves. Uh, John, imagine where you would be today if you'd never married Kathy. I mean, just imagine. I mean, can, can you imagine being married to a letter carrier down in South Georgia, working out of somewhere down in South Georgia? Huh? Wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> imagine I am what I am because I am in union with somebody, and it does make a difference. Amen. I mean, I thank God for that difference. Paul says we are God's poema created in Christ Jesus because of our relation, because of our union with him created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
One reason God made you. He didn't make you because you were in trouble. He didn't make you anew just because you were in deep weeds. He didn't make you anew just because you needed money. He didn't make you anew just because your marriage was bad. He created you so that you could live righteously. Stop what you're doing and live a life of good works. That's what God made you for. How terrible that we prostitute the creation of God with our tongues by the way we speak. And then he says that God had this all worked out ahead of time. He knew exactly what he wanted us to do, what kind of good works. God prepared them. And see, that's really important. I want you to understand that. Just like Ogden Nash had to conceive that idea for the poema in his mind, and then he put it on paper, God conceived what he wanted us to do, how he wanted us to live, and created us for that purpose. He had it all marked out ahead of time. The greatest trick of a parent is to plan your children's lives and then give them parameters to make choices so that they do exactly what you planned out for them. Amen? Now, when you've learned how to do that, I'd have to be married and have five sets of children to learn that. One of the great problems with parenting is by the time you learn how to do it, you're done. I mean, there are a lot of things in life like that. By the time you learn how to do it, you're all done. It's all over. You only get one crack. Now, I want you to see that we are a work of art. Larry, you are truly a work of art. Steve, you are truly a work of art. God had some close calls with you, but you finally came out and are coming out the way he wanted you. Amen? Now we'll let your mother stand up and tell the, other, the rest of the story. So that you can, you can look all the world over and find works of art in which an artist took a it took something, a sculptor took a piece of rock and chiseled it. An artist took a piece of paper, and that always amazes me. Here's this blank piece of paper, and suddenly all these colors are thrown on there, and out of it comes something beautiful. He created, formed a new nature in Christ. He made God's nature in Christ fit around our nature, and he molded and pushed and shoved us. We had our Tar Heel Leadership Project, and we did the Myers-Briggs with them, 23 pastors of churches under 200 this week. And I was reminded that the first Myers-Briggs I ever took of my personality showed all my radical edges, and by the time I took it uh, years years later, I was almost equal in every one of those four areas. Pastoring has so moderated me, and I like to think that God has been at work pushing and shoving so that my radical side is tended to be moderated and more balanced so that the Lord can control me. Amen? Amen. How many of you think you've grown the last 40 years? 30 years? Good. So that I'm created for good moral works. I'm a spiritual work of art. I'm a moral work of art. Salvation is not just for my good, but so that I might be good for the glory of God. Works is the necessary outcome of this new creation. But character and direction of the, of, the, uh, of the person, of the people, are works made ready by God. Now, you don't know what's under that, uh, that uh, cover over there. And you do not know what's under this cover over here. Can all of you see, or did you see it when you came in? Can you, can you see this? It's covered. But I'm going to show you what's under this cover here. Isn't that beautiful? That is really lovely. 
How many of you can see what that is? What, what is it, Mike? It's just a, it's a block of wood. Isn't that beautiful? An artist got hold of that, did something with that, right? What do you think, Edna? It's even marks. It says it's uh, five by four by nine and a half. That's it, five by four by nine. An artist cut it down to size. Can you see that? Feel it. It's a piece of wood. Pardon? Yeah, they, used, they, they build houses with that. They used to build houses with that. Now they're doing it out of plastic or vinyl or whatever. But That's a piece of wood. That is raw material. The truth is the real artist has not gotten hold of this yet. He hasn't gotten hold of that. But an artist could take that raw material and conceive something in his mind and chip it away so that it would be something very, very beautiful. Right? Now, let's look at three divisions in our passage of Scripture. I'm going to put the raw material there. All of you can see that is raw, raw. Now, the raw material God has to work with is in verses 1, 2, and 3. Read it. And you hath he made alive. Actually, that belongs later in the grammar. So that it should read, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, the first thing about the raw material that God has to make a work of art is that it's dead. <laughs> it's dead. There's no life. There's nothing to it. You might as well speak to a corpse. Hello, corpse. Come alive. Stand up, corpse. I'm going to breathe life in you. And the corpse, the life is gone. And that corpse is dead and there is no life. And only God could quicken that dead corpse. Do you realize what God is saying about us? Without every person in the world without Christ is like a dead corpse, dead to the moral order, dead to the spiritual order, dead to the truth of God. You were dead. How? In trespasses and sins. Really, because of your trespasses and sins. We were born dead. As in Adam, all die, Paul said. We're all dead. I don't want any young person to labor under any other supposition than this. No one comes to Christ but what he is absolutely dead. That's why good works cannot save you. Morality cannot save you. Joining a church cannot save you. Let there not be any mistake in anybody's mind who comes through the walls of this church you are dead without Jesus Christ and you're dead because of trespasses and sins and you can't do anything but sin I learned to lead singing babysitting dead corpses in a funeral home with one of those great big mirrors in the casket room you've heard me tell that that's how I learned to lead singing Larry in those days back in the 50s we were taught the 4-4 pattern like that Use both hands. I used to lead singing with my trumpet. If you think it's loud now, you should have been with me when I was leading singing with my trumpet. And blow my heart and my head and my nose and my ears out, playing when we all get to heaven, getting everybody to sing, playing my trumpet. And I learned to lead singing three, four time, four, four time, and see, Six, eight time. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four. Can you imagine somebody now leading singing in front of a crowd and we're saying, one, two, three, four, five, and you're not even looking at the book, you're counting if I, he missed one over there. <laughs> I like to watch Larry. He's just, zing, zing, zing. that's it. <laughs> it's a new style. I mean, a lot of things have changed in church. But a corpse is absolutely dead. Secondly, Paul says, you were doomed 
in which you once, that's an interesting translation of a phrase that says you had really no hope. I mean, you were just, you were sunk. I'm dead, I'm doomed, I'm following the way of the world. Outside of Christ, the raw material of a moral and spiritual life that has never been, that has never had an experience of faith is not only dead, it is doomed, and it is completely subject to the ways of the world. We measure how we live and what we do by the way the world lives and not by the way God lives. Whatever else does or does not reflect that Christ lives in you is that sometime you must follow Jesus. And a man outside of Christ follows the ways of the world. He's living like the world. The next thing Paul says is that our our old nature, or our raw material, is obeying Satan according to the course or the customs of this, this world, this age, what is popular today, what, is, uh, what, it, what makes everybody feel accepted today. Sometimes I don't think we give each other enough acceptance, so we put pressure on our young people to have to go out and try to get acceptance with the world by adjusting their behavior. According to the prince, that word is archon, the first among others. I mean, the devil is the first among many legions. Remember, he is not ubiquitous. He can't be everywhere. He is not omnipresent, and he is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but he has a lot of demons, right? He has a lot of demons. He's the prince of the power, exousia, demons, authority of the demons, of the air, the lower atmosphere. Literally, there's a different Greek word for lower atmosphere and upper atmosphere, meaning that Satan is the archon or the prince of the customs of this age, and he is in control. If you don't believe that, take a look around you. And that's the way we live outside of Christ. He is the spirit who now works in the sons, the huias, the sons of disobedience. But that's not the normal word for disobedient. That word, it means one who is impersuadable, who cannot be persuaded, who is so stubborn and whose mind is so made up and his course of action is so following the prince of the world that you can't change his mind. He will not eat broccoli for anything. He is not going to change, and he's proud of it. <laughs> a lot of men are kept from Jesus for the whole lifetime because of that stubbornness. Did you know that? A lot of men are ever kept from having a godly marriage because this is where my daddy was. It's in my genes, and I'm not changing for anybody or anything. And Paul is describing the raw material God had to work in order to make us a work of art. And the word goes on. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Works is energeo, which is energizes. And huias is a, the son by character. We went to, uh, I have a new little granddaughter, Meredith Ashton, born last weekend. And we went to her sister's second birthday party Saturday and uh, Mark and Dana Logan were there and, and uh, Mark was commenting on his parents gave me a little interesting insight to the Logans I hadn't had before 
He said, you know, he said, uh, I wish I could have been a grandchild first. He said, my mom and dad walk around, Kelsey, don't, don't, don't fall now, don't, don't let anything happen to her. Now, now look at here, protect her. And they, he said, walk, stand behind her. Don't, don't fall, don't let anything happen to her. He said, what I remember is when I was little, son, watch out for yourself. You might get in trouble, but if you do, I'm going to get you on the backside. <laughs> he said, I wish I could have been a grandchild first because why do grandparents always take better care and watch out and, and protect the grandchildren more than the children? You know, when you're young, you just get a straight kid or you're going to get it in trouble. And the grandchild, now, now she can't do anything wrong. Now, see, a child reflects the character of his parents. Huios is not technon. We're not sons by just nature here. We're sons by influence and character. That's the difference. That is the raw material. Numbered among whom, Paul says in verse 3, we all once conducted ourselves or walked in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilled the desires of the flesh, fulfilled the desires of the mind, what the mind could conceive, and were by nature children of wrath. Now, we're not only we us of disobedience, but we are technon, we are children of wrath. Every unsaved block of wood, <laughs> every unsaved block of wood, every raw material, dead in trespasses and sins, not much beauty to it, Every one is under the wrath of God. Did you ever work somebody that couldn't hide their wrath in their face? And they couldn't hide their wrath in their tone of voice? And you were going to work and they look at you. Ah, you're trying to, you know, if you're five minutes late, it's what's the matter with you? I'm expecting you to be in here at 8.30. If you're three minutes early, it's negative too. What are you trying to do? Butter me up? Seven, you can't do anything right. Have you ever been under somebody's wrath? The whole world, Paul says, is under the wrath of God. Jesus said it too. When we reject Christ, we're under the wrath of God, the anger of God. God's settled conviction over mankind, the raw material, the human nature, is that he's angry because of our sin. And it's not something that just crops up Thursday and Tuesday. It's a settled conviction seven days of the week. That's the raw material. And that's you. If you're without Jesus Christ, that's one of the best descriptions of the depravity of man. It's very important in this doctrinal passage that every Christian understand a basic Christian theological idea. And that is that man regards his salvation cannot do one single thing to save himself. Being baptized doesn't save you. Joining a church doesn't save you. Good works doesn't save you. Being kind to animals doesn't save you. Only Christ can save you and take the raw material of your deadness and make you worth something. I don't want anybody to grow up in this church and ever be confused about that. Outside of Christ, we can't do anything to save ourselves. Now, now we can do some good, but it's not the good that saves. It's the good of the moral life, the human life. For instance, Jesus in Luke chapter 11 says, if ye being evil 
know how to give good gifts to your children. Isn't that interesting? He tells us we're evil, but even in our evil, we can do some things good. An unsaved man can sometimes be kind, but that his nature is lost and under the wrath of God. Now, the second thing Paul tells us in this passage is that uh, there's an artist that steps into the raw material. Here's the raw material. Now, who's going to change that? Anybody here want to try making something beautiful out of this piece of wood? Would you like to try? I'd be glad to give you a shot at it. I'll buy the wood. I don't know how much it costs, but I'll buy it. And if I don't have enough well, art, you got a little extra, we'll buy it together. All right. Now, look at the qualities of the artist. What are these qualities? Verse 4. But God... <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? I mean, right in the middle of this passage, here, here, here's this terrible description of the nature of human nature, which is a reason for all meanness in the world. You tell me, I don't understand why somebody did this. I'm going to tell you that's the nature of human nature. You tell me you don't understand why your wife treats you the way she does. I'm going to tell you that's the nature of human nature. If you understand the nature of human nature, you don't have any problem with anything man does. It's amazing what man is capable of doing. But all of a sudden, in the middle of that, here comes God. But God. Now, here's the artist. Here's the one who's going to take the raw material. But God. Now, what are the qualities of the artist? Who is God? Well, first, he is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Though we're under his wrath, justice means give somebody all that they deserve. But mercy says, don't give them all they deserve. He is rich in mercy. The first character trait he brings to this raw, dead material of human nature is mercy. I'm not going to give that piece of wood all that it deserves. <laughs> I'm going to do something better for it. That's the nature of God. And by the way, no artist like a Christian ever performs above his nature. Secondly, God is rich in love because of his great agape love with which he loved us. God is rich in love. So even when we were dead in trespasses, has done three things. Now watch this. He has quickened us. He's made us alive together with Christ. And then Paul has to interject this. By grace you have been saved. If mercy is not giving us all we deserve, grace is giving us what we don't deserve. He saved us. By grace are you saved. So there are three things that the artist does. He is not only rich in mercy, he is not only rich in love, but he has the power to quicken. He quickened us, gave us life. He raised us together with Christ, verse 6. And thirdly, he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He did three things with his power. He quickened us and made us alive. He raised us up and then he gave us a position. He seated us in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus so that right now today, I'm as good as in heaven. Right now today, I'm as good as already raised. Right now today, I have the life of Christ living in me. Marvelous miracle. That's the work of God's artistry. That's what he created us for. You are a work of art. He had to spend a little more time on some of us than others, but we're a work of art. Did you know that? Rich in mercy, rich in love are the power to quicken. 
And then he goes on to make one other statement. So that in the ages to come, he might show or display the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. I told you two weeks ago, kindness is grace expressed. Kindness is grace expressed. That's what it is. That in the ages to come, God's going to trot you all over glory and say, take a look at Takeda Gordon. Can you imagine? This is what she looked like when I started with her. And now look at this beautiful moral and spiritual character I have given her. And he's going to trot her all over glory so every angel all over heaven can see and say, look at the, the, uh, the result of God's kindness and God's grace. That's what the Bible says. He's going to display us all over glory. In another place, Paul said, he's going to march us in a triumphant procession to show the devil that God's won. We always like to show we won. And God does. Now, let's see the finished product. The last verses deal with the finished product. Now, suppose I took a block of wood, sort of like that one over there. And I'm an artist. And I've carved it out. Tom, let one of your girls come up here and, and take a look at this. See this? Is that beautiful or is that beautiful? Who knows what that is? Any quail hunters here today? Any quail hunters? You're the extrovert, huh? I can always tell who's the introvert and who's the extrovert. Okay, now look. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Hold it. That is gorgeous, isn't it? Can you imagine cutting out all those little fine feathers? I mean, they're all cut. Look on the backside. Look at how thin... See the, those lines? Look how beautiful that is. Do you know that one time looked just like that? Looked just like that. Now, this is created by a man in our church by the name of Chuck Heath, who is a carver. That, that's a work of art, isn't it? And his wife helps him. She does the painting. It is beautiful. It is exquisite. I couldn't believe such fine. Do you know how long it would take? Look at each one of those. See, each one has all those. There, there are 73 little lines of that one little lip of a feather. You know, about the time I got to the top of the head, I'd say, fooey on this. I'm done. I mean, I'd, I'd have cut the head off and said, let's go with it. Let's do it in our eye. Beautiful work of art. But that's because the artist has skill. And he takes that raw material and turns it into a beautiful work of art. Would you agree that's beautiful? Does it look like a real quail? Have you ever seen a real quail? Okay, well you have now. <laughs> work of art, finished product. That's beautiful. Anybody in the choir want to see it? Is there, is there a Vanna White in the house, please? <laughs> All right, now let's look at another finished product. <clears throat> uh, you want to take a vote, White family? Is it Stephanie or Brittany? Okay. You want to come, Steph? Come, in, come and take a look at this one. I want you to, in fact, I want you to pull the, come on. I want you to pull the sheet off this one. This is another finished product. Now, this is Bible study. This is worship, ladies and gentlemen. Don't think you're at Sotheby's for a, we're not auctioning these off. That's not a bad idea, though, is it, for the, for the building? Okay, now take it off. Let's take it off gently. Now, look at that. Is that beautiful or is that beautiful? Hold it. Look at it. Now, what is that? You know what that is? That's a redheaded what? Wood pecker. Now, look on the backside. Look at those. Look how close. See the little lines he's got in there? Look, look, look at that. Imagine first carving those and then painting them. 
It's beautiful, isn't it? Have you ever seen a red-headed woodpecker up that close before? It's beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's a work of art. One time, that looked just like that. And the difference was an artist got hold of it, right? It's a work of art. Thank you, Stephanie. Beautiful. Can you see the red-headed woodpecker? It is gorgeous. Now, that's the finished product. And here's the raw material. You know, I never cease to be amazed when I think of the, of the goodness and the greatness of God that that could become that. But that's what you are. That's what you are if you know Jesus, if you know Christ. That's Paul's whole point. I mean, imagine going from this to this. That's what the Christian life is about. The artist, God took hold of you and created you and gave you a brand new nature and a new look and a new character and took something that was nothing and gave it character and a nature. There it is. Imagine going from this to this. Can you see that over there? That's, that's the quail. Okay, now watch what Paul says in his last verses. For by grace, we've been put on display. For by grace, display because it's something beautiful to behold. For by grace you have been saved through faith. <laughs> faith. And even the faith is not of yourselves. God enabled you to believe that's the proof that he loves you. He gave you the faith. So that salvation is never of your work. That woodpecker didn't carve himself. <laughs> there had to be an outside force to take the woodpecker from the wood, the raw material, to this. So that God gave us faith. So that our salvation, our new creation, our new life is not of ourselves. It's not of works. Because if it was of works, then we could boast about it. The existence of the finished product results in present blessing. And the persistence of the artist in us to finish results in future blessing. The truth is, I'm like that red-headed woodpecker and the artist is still working on me and he's working on you. When you've been saved, there's a past, present, and future implication. I have been saved from my past sin, justified. I am being sanctified and worked on by the carver and I will be glorified so that in the ages to come, I can be set up on a pedestal and you can be set up on a pedestal in glory and the world and all the angels and the whole universe will see you and God will say, look what my kindness has done. Look what my grace has done. If I could have done this to myself, I would bring glory to myself, but there's no glory for my salvation. I am created in Christ Jesus, a whole brand new nature, a moral nature, a spiritual nature. It's like the image of Christ, and God puts it on me so that it fits me, so I can do what he has conceived beforehand that I should do. And I am a work of art, and you are a work of art. That's what salvation is about. That's what this passage is about. That's Paul, Paul takes this idea, this whole figure of speech. We are his workmanship. 
We are his work of art. We are his masterpiece. He's taken us from the raw material to the new. And he did it by his grace and by his love and by his power to energize us and make us anew and give us victory over our habits, victory over our lusts, victory over our passions, victory over our past, victory over our families. Mr. Quayle, would you speak to me, please? You, you've been created by an artist. Speak to me. Make a sound for me. Say something to me. Will you please speak? I'll lay my hands on you if you'll just speak. Did you hear anything from the quail? Nothing from the quail. Mr. Woodpecker. Mr. Red-Headed Woodpecker. Would you speak to me, please? Say something. Make a sound. Do for me now. What you do on my gutter at 6 o'clock on a spring morning? <laughs> Rat-a-tat-tat, come on, move! Will you just do anything, warble, move, fly? You're beautiful. You're too beautiful just to sit there. Did you hear anything? Did you see anything? Nothing. All that finished work can do is reflect the skill of the artist and it's beautiful and it brings a certain reflected glory to God because one of God's creatures reproduced an image of another of God's creatures to show God's creative handiwork and skill but there's no life there's no energy there's no sound there's no thought there's no love and in the middle of all this, Paul says, oh, wait a minute. We're a work of art. And what did God do for us? He quickened us and gave us life when we couldn't feel anything spiritual or moral. He raised us up so that when we die, we have victory over death. And it's his power that will raise us. And he seated us with Christ in the heavenlies so that already now by position, I'm in glory. I'm as good as done till my life is finished. I know my heavenly position is in Christ and it's sealed and signed and delivered. And I have life. I can speak. I speak differently because God created me. I love differently because God created me. I feel differently because God created me. I can read God's word and translate it and apply it. I'm alive. I've been quickened. I've been energized. I have breath. I have life and I've been made by the creator of the whole universe and I don't just sit there passively and reflect glory. I'm alive. I'm made alive. Nobody has to go on in death. I don't want anybody in this building to leave this place not knowing that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ, which God enables you. You put your trust in him and God clears your sins and then puts on you and fits on you and grafts on you a brand new nature, the nature of Christ, and breathes into your heart so that you have moral energy and spiritual energy and thought energy and he energizes you and quickens you. And when you die, he'll raise you. And right now you're already seated with Christ in eternity as if it were already done in heaven. Until you have that experience, you're dead in trespasses and sins. 
Try as you may to be good, you fail. Try as you may to save yourself, you fail. Try as you may to be moral. Someday you'll discover there's no energy inside you to do moral things for the glory of God. Try as you may, you want to serve God, but you're serving the flesh. Try as you may, you want to overcome those passions and lusts, but you're, you're bound to them until God makes you a new creature and blows in you the breath of lives as he did at creation and energizes you and raises you and places you in the heavens with Christ. Hallelujah. That's salvation. That's what God has done for you and for me. I want you to think carefully today. I don't very often just talk about salvation on Sunday morning, but God impressed it on my heart. I should not leave this passage till we look at these things. I want every child, boy, teenager to know this. I don't care how good a family you were born in, unless you've come to an authentic experience of faith in Jesus and trusted him, then this is all foreign to you. You are still in this condition. And when God gets hold of you, he not only does this to you, you will not be a stack of stone or wood. You will be a living, breathing, alive creature with spiritual energy, vibrantly living life, excited about the future, knowing life is in God's hands, knowing that he's got a way prepared for you. And that way is good works and a life of victory and a life of holiness and a life of godliness. That's what he wants. Can you honestly look in your life and say there was a time when I just didn't go through the motions, but I know specifically that I acknowledged my sin and put my personal faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've done that, then God had to save you. <laughs> he promised that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. He promised that. And he's made you a new creature. Now, if that's not happened, then you are not yet his work of heart. You're not yet created in Christ Jesus in verse 10. You can try to do good works, but it's all by yourself. And you can try to map out the future, but it's all on your own. And there's no influence much of God in there until you've been created in Christ Jesus, his masterpiece for good works. I just celebrate life. I celebrate grace. I celebrate my salvation. I am full of thanks for what God has given me and made me. And he's not done. <laughs> he's been working a long time, but he's not done. He is not finished yet. Now, have you come to that place? Have you put your faith in Jesus? And is there the evidence of a brand new nature clothed around you, a new creation? Are, are you reflecting the beauty of the artist and the life of the artist as that woodpecker and that quail reflects the talent and the beauty of the artist that made them?